Welcome to episode 18 of the Make It and Sell It podcast. This is going to be a short show as we don't have any guests this week. I did try hard to book guests for these next few episodes through the end of the year, but I did not have any success. It shouldn't have been a surprise, though, as this is the busiest time of year for production businesses. Everyone is producing around the clock and fulfilling orders for the holiday. We wish all our guests and other small producers out there great success this season, as we all need it. Instead, I'd like to mark this episode as the end of Season 1, take a short break, and resume with Season 2 early in 2021. We already have a number of confirmed guests in the food and artisan sectors, so we'll be excited to talk with them after everyone has had a chance to take a breath. It will be especially interesting to hear about our producers' experiences in this first, and hopefully only, COVID holiday season. How did it affect business? What adjustments were made to accommodate health, safety, and customers' buying preferences? For today, though, I just wanted to highlight a few themes for successful businesses from Season 1, especially for those who are thinking seriously about starting a home production business next year. As a caveat, no guidance is universally applicable. All our guests had very different experiences in starting their businesses and organizing themselves over time. However, there were definitely some issues that kept coming up that are worth considering. So, without further ado, here are the seven secrets to small business success for home-based producers. Hi, everyone. This is Corey Hyman, host of the Make It and Sell It podcast. This is a show about entrepreneurs who develop new products and then produce, sell, and distribute these products themselves. This field is wide open and can be a fantastic opportunity for anyone who has the passion, skills, and persistence to succeed. Why do people do it? How do they do it? What can we learn from their experiences? Stay tuned to find out if this career path may be right for you. This discussion about the seven secrets is not a countdown. Instead, I will talk about them sequentially in the order that a new home producer should consider these issues. Each issue builds on the last. I realize that this takes some of the suspense out of the equation, but I think it is important to emphasize the top most important issues up front so we can all make good decisions along the way. Secret one, passion and discipline. The first and most important ingredient for success for a home-based producer is passion and discipline. Passion is what motivates you to work hard every day, to fight through the challenges of getting started, and persist during the lean times. When you are your own boss, no one is going to be there checking on your hours or looking to see whether you were cutting corners. No one is going to take care of the small issues or the big ones. Everything rests on your shoulders. If you are passionate about your business and have the discipline to persevere, this pressure will feel exhilarating, like you are ready to conquer the world. However, the opposite is also true. If you do not maintain a base of love and commitment, work can feel overwhelming or like drudgery. Being a small-scale entrepreneur can also feel somewhat isolating. As Lysandra Weber, founder of Geek Chic Fashion, explained, friends and family might not understand what you're trying to do and even refer to your work as your little project. You have to retain your passion and maintain your discipline to push through these very early stages until you can begin to build momentum for success. Of course, having passion and discipline doesn't mean that you're always excited about what you do. We all have our bad days or bad cycles. We just have to have enough of that fire to be resilient and bounce back from inevitable setbacks. Secret two, fantastic products. If you're going to start a home-based production business, you want your products to be outstanding, unbelievable, incredible, amazing, miraculous, otherworldly, and something that others crave and can't live without. Okay, perhaps this is a bit over the top, 
but there is a lot of competition out there, and you want to rise above others. You want new customers to be attracted to your product and existing customers to keep coming back. Armando Lacayo, founder of Arsico Bakery, took 20 years to perfect his croissant recipe before he started his business. That time seemed to be a good investment, as his new bakery was lauded as Bon Appetit's best new bakery of the year. His sister Maria Victoria Checa, founder of Maria Victoria Checa Art, didn't wait as long. With only two years of experience as a painter, she's already created a successful business in showcasing and selling her work. Vid Lynch and Ben Smith, founders of Torchbearer Sauces, hadn't been thinking about a business when they started their weekly dinner parties, but seven years of cooking spicy meals for friends gave them the experience to create their first award-winning hot sauce in one batch. Secret number three: mise en place. Mise en place is the French term that I discussed in episode fifteen, which roughly translates to "everything in its place." This is an important concept for any business, but perhaps more so for a home production business, in which space can be tight and the lines between business and personal life can become somewhat blurred. The key in this situation is making an honest determination whether home production makes sense for you. Are the conditions right to make a reasonable go of it? Yes, it is wonderful to be able to work from home, to avoid commutes, and manage personal responsibilities such as kids or family members who need care. But can you really do it practically? Ideally, you can set aside separate spaces for your personal life and business activities. Do you have a spare room or a basement or attic, not only to produce your products but also to store raw materials, allow final products to rest, cure? Be packaged and warehouse before you're ready to distribute. If you don't have separate rooms, do you have a way to convert personal and business spaces easily and efficiently? Do you have other considerations, such as children or pets, that might distract from production or make production unsafe for them or customers? What about noise, noxious smells, or other hazards that could annoy neighbors or violate zoning requirements? Even if you have aspirations of moving from a home to a commercial workspace at some point in the future. Is your workspace at home adequate to meet your current needs and allow you to grow your business? What if it takes longer than you expect to expand? Many of our guests had to set up special places in their homes for their businesses, or at least designated times to work, so they could separate these two parts of their lives. Secret number four: starting small. According to many guests, it is important to start small. This was a lesson that producers, including Bev Martin and Nancy Rohr, founders of Simply Ghee. As well as Jill Donaldson, founder of Pastry Base, mentioned as one of their most important pieces of advice. There are a few reasons for this. First, starting small allows producers to focus their energies and perfect their processes. They can really focus on making the best product possible and slowly growing production to maintain quality over time. It is easier to take a step back for a do-over if you have only messed up a small batch or need to figure out a better way to make your product. Second, starting small allows producers to underpromise and overdeliver. Tanya Teshka, founder of Bordeaux Kitchen Naturals, takes the time to personalize her packages, even with handwritten notes. This will not be possible forever, but it is a great way to develop a loyal following early on as Tanya grows her business. Last, starting small prevents a home-based producer from overextending and making commitments that might not be possible to fulfill. A few of our guests, including Bev, Nancy, Vid, and Ben, talked about big commitments that they had made early in their businesses to customers or co-packers, which led to big losses from which it took time to recover. Big orders can yield big rewards, 
but they can also include big risks that might be mitigated or managed more easily with more experience. Interestingly, starting small was not the advice of all our guests. Tony Morell, home brewer, said that microbreweries can get in trouble by starting too small. Others have advised him to start off at least large enough to be able to cover costs without having to feel as though he is always catching up to pay bills. This is one of the many examples of why all producers must consider their own circumstances to start up in development instead of trying to follow a prescribed formula. Secret number five, flexibility in sales channels. When you're starting out, there are key decisions about sales channels. On the one hand, you want to expose your product to as many people as possible and therefore might want to take advantage of all possible sales channels. These include online and in-person sales, and within each category, online sales could include your own website, as well as a huge variety of sales platforms, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, Fair, and others. In-person sales could include wholesale to stores or restaurants, but also at local farmers markets, shows, and other events. Guests such as Amanda Farnham, founder of Wago, and Leslie Arthur, founder of Bon Air Naturals, among others, have done a great job in using both retail and wholesale opportunities. On the other hand, it is not practical to start with every sales platform at the same time. Everyone has to start somewhere. There are many good reasons for starting with one channel or another and building experience in sales before growing into new sales spaces. What is the best place for you to focus your attention? This might be limited by the kinds of products you are producing. It is not very practical to sell croissants online, for example, nor is it legal to sell food products online across state borders in some states. But when you have the choice, what do you do? Once again, this depends on personal preference. Jenna Watkins, director of Beauty Counter, has grown her own business almost exclusively through direct sales. And while Matt Asen posts photos of his sourdough bread creations online, his sales were exclusively in person, at least at the time of the interview. There was a real mix of emphasis among guests. Leslie, Vid, Ben, and others talked about the real benefit of local farmers markets and trade shows. These events give producers a chance to interact directly with their customers to find out what the customers like and don't like. As Lysandra has also said, there's something magical about in-person interactions. It builds trust and allows for real engagement about product ideas and improvements. However, irrespective of what your plan is initially, it is important to remain flexible and to be able to pivot when circumstances require it. When COVID stopped many local events, producers who relied heavily on markets and shows for their sales had to grow their online options. In the long run, diversifying sales channels will yield more sustainable businesses. Secret number six, path to scalability. One of the most fun parts of interviewing for these episodes is hearing about the evolution of people's businesses. Amanda was very disciplined and planful at the beginning of her paint-by-numbers business. She knew exactly what she needed to do to grow and succeed. Jill came to a real turning point in her pastry business when she stopped shipping cakes and turned to baking kits as her new products. Bev and Nancy jumped into commercial kitchens immediately to produce their flavored geese. Sometimes, twists of fate do more for our businesses than any planning can accomplish. However, it is still useful to have a plan for scalability over time, even if that plan changes midstream. Lysandra, for example, has had opportunities to take her clothing business into commercial spaces. However, she loves to produce her clothes at home. It gives her more control over her life and allows her to be more responsive to her customers. Your vision of success does not have to be about extensive growth. 
Other guests have had to modify their plans when co-packers have failed them, health crises have overwhelmed their traditional sales channels, or lifestyle preferences have changed over time. Nevertheless, having a sense of what you want to do next and what indicators you want to track to make decisions at the right time can keep you in control of your business trajectories. Knowing what sales volume will allow you to hire helpers or start a new product line will keep you in charge of your fate. Isn't that a big part of why you started this business in the first place? Last, secret number seven, feedback and improvement. The last secret in this discussion is feedback and improvement. Those of you who have been listening to the entire series should have known that I would include this in the list somewhere. It is part of my DNA as a social science researcher. It is absolutely essential to listen to customers, take their feedback into account, and improve existing products and make new products based on that input. This could happen through direct contact with customers at farmers markets or trade shows, checking in with store owners or distributors who sell your products, or through online reviews, even customer complaints. In my restaurants, I have established secret shopper review forms that I give to customers who've had bad experiences but demonstrate interest in our success. It is feedback from customer and kid recommendations that led to a horseradish-based torchbearer sauces sauce, paint-by-numbers football helmets, and more of a cinnamon-than-cardamom-based spice mix. People are more than happy to share their honest opinions if they believe you are sincere in hearing them out and will consider their concerns and recommendations seriously. Well, folks, that's it. Those are just a few of the many lessons that I've taken from season one. A huge shout out to all our guests who took their time to talk with me and share their stories. There are many nuggets of wisdom in these discussions. And a huge thank you to all you listeners out there who've taken your time to listen. I appreciate your feedback too. Please keep sending your comments so that we can make season two as great as the first one. Please do let me know too if you yourself are a home-based producer and would like to be a guest on the show or know others who would be interested. There is still a lot of great information out there. With that, I'm going to go dark these next few weeks and work on my own business development as well as the Cottage Cupboards website so that we can start compiling some of this great information from our guests too in written form. Have a wonderful holiday, a great new year, stay safe. I look forward to reconnecting in 2021. What I expect will be a great year. Thanks for listening today. This has been the Make It and Sell It podcast with Corey Hyman. Please subscribe, let us know what you think, and stay tuned for future episodes.